Super Talk Mississippi media production. And now it's Coast View with Ricky Matthews. Brought to you by J. Allen Toyota and AGJ Systems and Networks on Super Talk 103.1 FM. Welcome to Coast View, the show that celebrates the men and women who are making coastal Mississippi such an amazing place to live work and play. Hey, tomorrow I have quite a treat for you. I have Major Kendall Dunn. He's a hurricane hunter pilot. He has flown in more than 25 storms and penetrated more than 70 eye walls uh, as a pilot. And, uh, and today I have my friend Josh Morgan, who has been in more than 50 eye walls uh, for, for hurricanes around the world, I might add. And he's working out of his home in Bay St. Louis. He actually lives in L.A., but he rented a home in, in uh, Bay St. Louis. He affectionately calls Hurricane House, who was there last year for the, because of the pandemic, there again this year because of the pandemic. But he might have actually found a base of operations. And if you've missed my prior conversation with Josh, you'll enjoy this because he's got quite a history. But before I go any further, let me just say good morning, Josh. How are you? Good, Ricky. It's, uh, it's always great to be back here. This is like a warm, comfortable space for me. This show, I like. I like coming on here. It's fun. It's fun to have you here because you've done. You know what's interesting? Watching you in your social media world. Um, you know, you're extraordinarily well connected on Twitter, on YouTube. Uh, of course, in Facebook, but you have uh, you've really connected with your audience, or literally, you have an audience around the world. That's that's happened because not only through your iCyclone uh, world, which probably for a while you a lot of hurricane n- nerds knew about you because you were the guy who was the hurricane historian from from uh, Long Island, New, New York, who ended up doing a great. Uh, ad agency career in LA, but you had this love of chasing storms. So they knew you because you were this guy who knew how to put yourself in the eye of the storm. But then as your show for BBC, Hurricane Man and other other things that you did with all the major networks kind of gave you a little bit of fame. Uh, I think the average observer started to pay a lot of attention to you. So you've got a, you've got a fan base that's just far and wide, don't you? Yeah, I would say for sure. And, uh, you know, for me, it's one of the highlights of all this. You know, I, I think back to when I started chasing in the early 90s, you know, before the Internet, or at least before consumers used the Internet and, you know, before mobile phones and before everything. And I remember, you know, that first chase I did in 1991, and it was a very uh, it was a very solitary experience. There was, there was no there's no joy of storytelling or sharing or anything like that. You just you know, you're on your own with like a paper map and a pen, and like calling into the hurricane center for coordinate points. But it was a very um, isolated experience and cut to 30 years later. Uh, and my first chase was 30 years ago. You know, now it's like you know you, you're just you're you're instantly connected to you know people around the globe who are following what you're doing. And for me, you know, I tend to be a solo chaser. I tend to, you know, I'm a, I'm kind of a lone wolf type. I like to chase alone. Although the last two chases actually I had partners on them. But in general, I chase alone. And that connection with with folks that are following me, you know, on social media becomes that that's like my human connection, you know, while I'm chasing. And it means a lot to me. I mean, it's really, I, I know this is going to sound kind of sentimental, but I get a lot of strength from it. You know, when I'm like on the road alone in some weird corner of the world and just, you know, feeling kind of lonely, you know, you have folks on Twitter or Facebook, you know, cheering you on or just, you know, whatever, just, you know, sending good vibes your way. And it actually really means a lot. And also it's fun to have 
to find people around the world and around the country that you connect with about a topic. You know, I remember being, you know, I was a weather nerd, you know, again, when I was a teenager and I was like, you know, really into the weather. I didn't have any friends who were interested in hurricanes and stuff. You know, I was just like all alone, you know, it's just like this weirdo into my thing, you know, carrying my hurricane tracking maps secretly in my trapper keeper in high school because I didn't want anyone to see them. You know, and now it's what's really cool is, you know, you have some 15 year old weather nerd. They could they could actually immediately like connect with other people around the world. And as someone who's chasing but to have that audience of people who are following what I do and are really interested in like the really deep nerdy details that I'm interested in is really cool. I mean, we talk a lot about the sort of poison of, the, of social media and how toxic it is. And it can be. But the beauty of it is that you're just connecting with people who are who share your very, very specific interests. What what I, I actually that's what I like about your social media presence and uh, under iCyclone is that you're not political there you're not you're not trying to you know divide people you know there are people who probably have all kinds of beliefs that come there but there's a share a share that you share um, a fascination with tropical systems you know some people just because they're scared to death of them some people because they like they're just fascinated by uh, tropical weather and the genesis of tropical weather, but you know people come for different reasons. But you know, you in our in our time together, and we've we've grown to be friends over the last year. You know, you have uh, you've really proven to be quite adept at placing yourself in the eye of the storm. I think about Haiyan and in the Philippines, Patricia in Mexico, Hurricane Michael, uh, Hurricane Dorian. And by the way, I had the opportunity to introduce Josh to Major uh, Kendall Dunn, who is the Hurricane Hunter pilot. And, and, and it was so interesting watching uh, Major Dunn sort of you know, recognize and understand this is Josh Morgan. This is the guy who, when, when Major Dunn flew into the eye of Dorian, this unbelievable Cat 5 that sat on top of Marsh Harbor in the, in the Bahamas, but when it stalled over Marsh Harbor, there was Josh in a schoolhouse at Marsh Harbor. And, uh, you know, people obviously knew you were there through your social media following. But after the storm, no one heard from you for a couple of days. And you were presumed to be dead along with all the other people that were in that in that school. And he, he related to that moment with you and even joked he looked down in the eye of the storm to see if he could see you. But, um, but that, you know, you've had some hellacious experiences, haven't you? Yeah, and, and Dorian, you know, had to be, the, you know, the ultimate, you know, Dorian, just for folks who aren't familiar, when it hit Marsh Harbor in the Bahamas, it ties for first place as the strongest landfalling hurricane in North America, it ties with the 1935 Labor Day hurricane in Florida with estimated sustained winds of 185 miles an hour. And that, that eye and that inner core pass right over Marsh Harbor, which is the sort of de facto capital of Great Abaco Island in the Bahamas. And I, I have to tell you, man, that thing, that was in a class of its own for me. You know, I, as a chaser, you know, you, you, you go for like bigger and bigger conquests. And I feel like that one, you know, I look back at it now, you know, I went right through the eye and I, uh, I look back at that one and I, I honestly don't think I'm going to I'm going to exceed that one. I think that was I look at that as like my career peak kind of, you know, in terms of, you know, punching just the ultimate, ultimate hurricane. And 
you know, I don't talk a lot on this show about, you know, what I'm doing inside of Hurricanes Live, but I'm collecting data, you know, which which end up being very useful. But I, I collected some incredible data inside the the eye of that one, uh, you know, including the, the low pressure of 913 millibars, which any of your weather nerd listeners know that's crazy low. Uh, so so the work I did in terms of data collection was definitely like that was, you know, it was, it was very meaningful to me. And uh, yeah, it was also scary. And uh, and and yet I was trapped there for days. Dorian was one of those chases. It is one of those really hardcore chases where it wasn't just the hurricane. It was it was surviving it afterward. You know, I was trapped on the island for days uh, living in my car. Uh, my car did not blow away. The car next to mine blew away. My mine did not. It was still there um, and I, it was OK. But that became my home for days. I was living in it, uh, you know, and just sort of, you know, that was uh, that was how I survived. And it was a. Uh, you know, I remember just just being there, not knowing when I was going to get off that island and when I was going to get back to, you know, the U.S. And I remember I start to get that like anxious feeling, you know, and I remember telling myself my other my my tougher side, just being like, hey, settle down, man. You know, you want to be that hot shot that hunts down category five storms on little islands in the Atlantic. This is <laughs> this is part of the game. You got to just deal with this and uh, and be cool with it, you know, and and from there, I just took a deep breath and I just told myself, you know, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll get off the island at some point. It'll happen. You know, I have I have enough food and water to survive. And, you know, and of course, I eventually did. And when I got back, of course, I was I was uh, really interested to see all the tweets and notices about how I died. That was interesting to come back to that. (laughs) You were very popular at that moment in the national news uh, arena. Give us a feel for what that what that was like. Oh, it was crazy. I had no idea what had happened. I'd had no communication for days. So, you know, I reemerge. And, you know, when I get back to civilization, my phone, of course, just went nuts. Like It just kept tweeting. It was like a cuckoo clock. It just kept going off. I, I had to shut it off. You know, and I'm getting all these condolence notes and all this like really grim, dark stuff. I mean, literally, it was like I felt like I was entering like a, a like a wake, um, you know, because everyone thought I was dead. And uh, yeah, no, it was crazy. And all these like teary messages from friends and stuff. And I had 50,000 new Twitter followers. <laughs> like, I guess all these uh, folks with morbid curiosity that wanted to follow someone they presumed dead. So yeah, so that's what I that's what I came back to. I shouldn't laugh about it, but it was it was really something. It, it really was. If you want to actually, uh, if you really want to understand his Dorian experience or any of the others that we've mentioned, you can go to the iCyclone page for YouTube. It's, all the videos are there. He's, uh, Josh has got his own YouTube channel. You can obviously, you can follow him on Twitter at iCyclone as well. You can actually go look up the Hurricane Man uh, reality TV series that series that was produced by the BBC and take a look at that. Did a full season there. Maybe more will come once the pandemic is done. I'm, I'm sure you got a lot of opportunities. But when we come back, I want to talk about his new collaboration with the Weather Nation, a t- terrific uh, uh, weather uh, TV program. Uh, I watch it myself. If you're streaming, this is a great alternative for you. We'll talk a little bit about that. We'll, and then we'll obviously get into his most recent Grace experience and his Ida experience. We'll see you after this break. Coast View on Super Talk 103.1 is brought to you by J. Allen Toyota on I-10 Exit 38 Gulfport. See all the incredible inventory at allentoyota.com. And remember, when you think Toyota, think J. Allen Toyota. This is Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. 
back to Coast View. We're visiting with my friend, the hurricane man himself, iCyclone, Josh Morgerman. Um, when we went to break, that was an interesting conversation about Hurricane Dorian experience. And then, you know, ultimately, Hurricane Michael, all the storms from last year. Last year was an interesting year, by the way, as you worked out of Hurricane House in Bay St. Louis. You did a first, and then you did it twice. You experienced a storm on the Yucatan Peninsula, and then you came back to the States and experienced a storm on the States. You did that twice. And, of course, the last storm, Hurricane Zeta, you did it with that one. And the irony of that being a late October storm, the last storm of the season for us here on the Gulf Coast. And and it literally passes almost entirely over Hurricane House in Bay St. Louis. Is there some weird, like, irony in all of that to you? Uh, last year was just crazy you know i the pandemic happened and global travel just shut down and you know i'm a, I'm a i chase storms around the globe and a large part of my chasing is in east asia hunting typhoons and and in case any of your listeners don't know a typhoon is a hurricane it's just that's what they call it over there in east asia so so you know, folks always joke, why would you live in L.A. and Southern California when you chase hurricanes? If you're chasing around the globe, actually, L.A. makes perfect sense because you're one flight. You're just a nonstop flight away from basically anywhere in the globe that gets hurricanes. You know, Tokyo, Taipei, you know, down in Australia and, of course, you know, the U.S. Gulf Coast. It's actually a good sort of base of operations with the pandemic and knowing I was going to be just limited to North America. I was like, well, I'm just going to live in the heart of the USA's hurricane country. If I'm not going to be traveling internationally, I might as well just be in it. And that's when I, you know, d decided to, you know, rent this house here in Mississippi. Uh, but of all the years to pick to live on the middle Gulf Coast, I mean, literally going back 170 years of data, last year, 2020, was one of the gulfiest of all hurricane season in terms of, uh, you know, five hurricane impacts on the Gulf Coast. I mean, that's just, that's that's nuts. I mean, that's not a record, but it's close. Uh, so so it was it was really an interesting experience just living right on the Gulf Coast, you know, not having to fly in and out, but just being a resident, being a local, being front row seat, and also experiencing the, uh, the sort of the arc of this hurricane season, not as a, not as a guy, who's just kind of flying in and doing his sort of lightning operations, but someone who's just kind of living there and kind of experiencing the ebb and flow of each threat. You know what I mean? It was just hearing people starting to talk about a potential threat and going under the watch and warning, seeing the houses getting boarded up and stuff like that. You know, and then we kept getting missed. You know, folks kept saying, oh, are you a hurricane magnet? I mean, coming to the Gulf Coast and now we're getting all these hurricanes. And I kept saying, no, I'm a, I'm a protective agent. Mississippi has not been stricken because I'm here because they kept passing to the west or the east. And I shouldn't have said that because the last one of the year we got, you know, in base St. Louis, we got nailed by Zeta. It hit Louisiana and then it uh, it rushed past us and the, the center of it passed just west of base St. Louis and Waveland. And what that meant is we were on the in the right eye wall, the strongest part of the storm as it moved by really fast. And what that meant was we got really nailed by those winds. I mean, really nailed. And everyone I talked to in Bay St. Louis was a little surprised 
by how strong Zeta was when it got up here. And there was there was quite a bit of damage. I mean, it really it it nailed us good uh, up here. Not as much a water event, but there was just pretty widespread wind damage around town, and it was the most significant hurricane impact here since Katrina. Of course, nothing like Katrina or Katrina. yeah, of course, nothing like some of the greats. But 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 I've said many times on the storm, it was an unusual storm, probably because it was a late October storm. But the uh, of course it was moving quick. But as opposed to the typical hurricane where you have these these bands of rain that come through and then some relative calm and then your bands of rain and relative calm and depending on how close you are to the eye, will depend on how much relative calm you get in between and how how fierce those rain bands are. But in the case of Zeta. It started blowing and it didn't stop. It's just like this constant wind for an extended, at least in my house in Biloxi, just a just a just constant wind, whistling wind. It was a very unusual event. But I guess seven and a half to eight feet of storm surge could have been a lot worse if it had been a slow moving storm. But again, it was a late October storm, which meant it was going to act a lot different than if it were August. But it was a, just a very unusual event. But what a way to top that season out. But you were busy during that stretch you know, going to the Yucatan and back to the, the back to the States and going back to the Yucatan and then back to the States. How did you decide to make the decision to go to the Yucatan? Yeah, it, it was crazy. So as you pointed out before, there, there were two late season storms in a row that basically did the same thing. So there's Hurricane Delta. It hit the Yucatan near Cancun and then it moved into and then across the Gulf and moved into Louisiana. And then there was Zeta, just like it was maybe two weeks later. Also, they were both in October. Then there was Zeta, which again hit the Yucatan and then moved into the Louisiana and Mississippi. So both those storms, I decided, you know, I, I uh, the Yucatan for me as a chaser, the Yucatan is the it, it's it's the sweet spot of the whole Atlantic basin. I mean, the east coast of the Yucatan, especially late in the season, especially October, man, they get some crazy strong hurricanes. Well, I mean, you know, not that Mississippi is in I mean, Mississippi's had Camille, which is, you know, I was a fawn cat five that passed right over, you know, Bay St. Louis. But but the Yucatan is sort of prime hunting ground. So with, with Delta and Zeta, I was expecting, you know, that to happen just for climatological reasons. Fortunately for the Yucatan, neither of those hurricanes was too bad down there. Uh, Delta was a Category 2, Zeta was a Category 1 down in the Yucatan. Uh, but I went down there, you know, with this sort of climatological expectation of these big beasts. Anyway, with both of those, I was in the hurricane and then had to somehow rush back to, uh, you know, either New Orleans or Atlanta and then like get back to the coast to fly and it was, or, or to chase. And it was crazy. And when I look back at those uh, chases, I, I get them completely confused in my head. They've just blended together as, as, as one because even the other weird thing was that my flight itineraries and times were like roughly the same. So it just, it's just this big blur in my head. And literally when I was on the Zeta chase, I, 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 I was getting this really creepy deja vu feeling like I'm like, all right, I just, I just did this and I'm doing it again. Like it was like being stuck in a bad dream, just the whole process. <laughs> the twilight zone. Yeah. Hey, so, was, so, yeah. so moving to this year, you've already been back to, uh, to Yucatan uh, with Hurricane Grace. And then not, okay, so you also were at a second landfall, was not in the States, but, but, but again in Mexico as a category three storm. Tell us about that, Chase. Yeah, that was a tough chase. So Grace was the kind of, uh, 
It was a deep tropical hurricane. It was a, there was a very, very strong high pressure ridge in place. And uh, I'm not going to nerd out on your non-weather nerd listeners, but when there's a really strong high pressure ridge in place that can actually protect the United States, it'll keep the hurricanes way deep in the tropics. Now, some of the early computer modeling had Grace maybe coming up and inflicting harm on the Gulf Coast, but the ridge was too strong. So it basically moved you know, basically due west its whole lifetime and just stayed well away from the United States. So it, it had two impacts in Mexico. It hit the east coast of the Yucatan as a category one. And I hunted that down uh, in, to a town called Tulum, which is a little further down the coast. You know, we all as Americans, we think of Cancun and Playa del Carmen. Those are the places where most Americans go. Tulum is further down the coast. It's a little town down there. So the hurricane hit there. Then across the Yucatan, then it got into the Bay of Campeche, which is fancy name for the very, very southern part of the Gulf of Mexico. And then it moved into the Mexican state of Veracruz. And that second landfall, it was quite a bit stronger. It was approaching Category 4. And uh, it was one of those really tough old school chases, uh, you know, where, you know, I'm in, I'm in a, a foreign country, This in this case, Mexico, middle of the night, uh, a very rural area. Uh, you know, infrastructure is not amazing uh, in in this area, and yeah, and just and uh, and this isn't one of those states that the State Department says not, you know Americans shouldn't be traveling in. It's all those had all the ingredients for for high adventure, and uh, and yeah, hunted down this uh, this uh, very powerful Category Three got got in the eye, uh, yeah, sometime in the middle of the night, and that was uh, that was quite a storm, and it was it was harrowing, you know, because. Uh, uh, we tried to relocate in the eye and, uh, and then we got caught in the eye walls that swept back in on the highway and had to pull up next to a house because there was so much flying debris. Yeah, well, it reminded me of the chase you did in Gulf Shores last year where you ended up, you know, in your car as well. Um, you don't want to do that too often. Yeah, it was kind of stupid of me, you know, and I, I, I'm conflicted sometimes about sharing these experiences because I don't want to, you know, I don't want to be a bad example to to young people. I've got a lot of, you know, young weather nerds, people who remind me of myself a long time ago, you know, who are following me and get very excited by my adventures and inspired and like I don't want them to do things like that. You know, it's very dumb to be driving around in a major hurricane in a car, but uh, yeah, sometimes it happens. You know, I'm really into you know, trying to refine my location and really get into the core of the storm. And, and sometimes that means some last minute adjustments of where I am. And, uh, and yeah, sometimes, unfortunately, I, I miscalculate slightly. <laughs> but look, you here, just to be clear, though, just, just to add even more to that, first of all, you got 30 years of experience. You, you know the landscape where you're going. You know the topography. In other words, you know where the storm surge um, uh, you know, risks are going to be. You, you're not just willy-nilly out there driving around looking for the eye of the storm. It is it, it's, as scientific as a person can be, you are that, adding the experience along with it. When we come back with Josh Morgan, we're going to really have a detailed conversation about his Hurricane Ida experience. Um, and, and that incredible aftermath that touched uh, Josh in so many different ways. And we'll also talk about his uh, new relationship with Weather Nation. When we come back, we'll continue our conversation. Listen live or on demand and watch episodes of Coast View on your laptop, desktop, or on your phone or tablet by going to supertalkmsgulfcoast.com. And now it's Coast View with Ricky Matthews. Brought to you by J. Allen Toyota and AGJ Systems and Networks on Super Talk 103.1 FM. 
Welcome back to Coast View. I have my friend Josh Morganman, the hurricane hunter, iCyclone, the top hurricane uh, chaser in the world. Um, wow, what an interesting guy you are, Josh. You know, you have a you have an interesting hobby. <laughs> I'm not sure. I mean, I've been in a few eyes in my life only because I had to be. But uh, anyway, life goes on, and you're an interesting guy. Hey, you know, before we get into your Hurricane Ida experience, I just want to chat for just a second about how you have fallen in love with Bay St. Louis. You've got this special place that you affectionately call the Hurricane House. But I noticed that when you talk about Bay St. Louis and your bike rides and your runs there and the time you spend downtown, the time you spend all across coastal Mississippi, you're so affectionate about the way you talk about it. And being from New York and L.A., you know that the preconceived thoughts people have of Mississippi are one thing. And what you experience when you get here is a whole nother thing. But you've done a great job of dispelling myths. And I just wanted to thank you for that. But you do love this place, don't you? Absolutely. You know, I I initially decided to be down here because I just wanted to be in a nice central place for hurricanes. You know, I didn't I didn't think that much about it. And I really have fallen in love with I, I love coastal Mississippi so much. And I especially I have a very big affection for Bay St. Louis. It could be just because I live here, but I really I really love my town, you know, and I, I, I consider it my town. Now, you know, I've been here a couple of years now and I'm, you know, thinking of maybe you know, maybe get a house here. Maybe you know, I'm I'm sort of looking at that, and I uh, yeah, I definitely I'm feeling like a connection to it. And uh, yeah, you know, some of my friends from LA, New York, are like, oh well, that's like that's an interesting place you picked. And I think you know, I'm not going to get into politics, but I do feel right now like the, the United States, it's like two nations. It's very divided, and I it really makes me very sad, you know. Uh, just how um, it, 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 it literally is like two Americas. And I, you know, I think that, you know, it's almost like I'm, I'm living in the other America. And I just, I, you know, I want to say to people, hey, you know, come in, the water's warm, you know, and I and I feel like, uh, you know, I, I, I say my friends in New York and L.A., I'm like, you know, it's awesome down here. I love it. You know, I really do. And I'd also say to Mississippians, I talk to some Mississippians who are like, oh, like New York, ugh, you know, or like <laughs> terrible there. And I'm like, no, it's not. It's not. It's like the people there are like the people here. You'd be really surprised, you know. You you, you strip away the the accents and the way people talk and a couple of other things, you know. Maybe their political party, but you you really be surprised how similar people are, you know. And uh, don't mean to sound Pollyanna, but I I just you know I wish we could all enjoy our whole country, you know, and just, you know, what I, what I really love about Mississippi is that it's not like LA and New York. It's really different. You know, when I'm here, everything's different. The way people talk, the way they look, the way they eat, the way they, everything, it's just, everything is the way the houses look. I mean, the architecture is different. And for me, that makes it fun. It's fun yeah. to be places where, where people are not exactly like you. It opens your mind, it, you know, it gives you a, it gives you interesting things to look at and see every day. Well, you know, this is Coast View is not a political show. Uh, we don't we don't even get into politics. But what I what I like to say though is that I don't care if you lean liberal or lean conservative. Most Americans are actually somewhere in the middle. And because of social media and sort of this divided world that we're in, the polarized ends too often decide what the narrative needs to be. When what we experience in our lives, what we experience in our day to day worlds, is much different than that. Um, you know. 
there's a very significant silent majority of Americans that are sick of all that, and they wish there was a way we could run from it. But the reality of social media is that it it's in your face every single day, all day long. And uh, but I, I have hope though. I have hope that most Americans are in the middle and that we get along just fine, and we love each other. And one of the neat things about what you do, Josh, you know, chasing hurricanes is that. When a hurricane threatens a community, like coastal Mississippi, for example, and we can take Camille or Katrina, two of the greatest hurricanes ever to hit America, and it doesn't matter what political party you're in or, or whether you're white or black or Hispanic or whatever. It doesn't matter. It, it, what matters is that you're a coastal Mississippian and you're getting hit. And what I love about this place is that in the aftermath of a storm, we're all reminded that resiliency is what really defines us, what is in our heart and soul, the way we care about one another. Your next door neighbor after Zeta didn't care, didn't ask you what political party you're from. Your, your next door neighbor reached out to you because they needed someone to care about them and you cared about them. And that's the experience of coastal Mississippi. And I, I love that we're able to, in those moments, be reminded about why that's important. Now you look at Hurricane Ida, the experience of Hurricane Ida currently playing out in front of us now. Coastal Mississippians are coming together like never before to send supplies and, and help needs. Churches are adopting churches. Communities are adopting communities. And entire you know, collection of communities through the One Coast effort is bringing supplies to help those areas in need. And you get to see that. I mean, like, okay, so you experienced Hurricane Ida. You, you're in Homa. You know this is going to be a really bad storm. And now, now you've just experienced the storm. You've did what you always do. You positioned yourself incredibly well. But now you're out, you're out and about seeing this incredible aftermath and the widespread devastation had I mean it just touched you, didn't it? Yeah. You know, my fascination or my relationship with hurricanes has always been very complicated. And I, I rant this anecdote a lot because it really set the tone for the rest of my life. But, you know, when I was 15 and growing up on Long Island in New York and, you know, hurricane, you know, formed off Africa and crossed the Atlantic and I'm tracking it for two weeks. And then it shoots up the Atlantic coast toward Long Island and the center pass right over my town. And when you're like a 15 year old weather nerd, you're like, wow, that's like you know, a dream come true. And I was so excited about it. And, you know, it hit and we had a lot of damage on our property and my mother cried. And I remember you know, my father turned to me and he said, is that what you wanted? And and he, he didn't mean it to be harsh, but it it really that crystallized this conflict or, or my two sides. You know, there's a side of me that is just so fascinated by the meteorological events and like really just hypnotized by it. And then there's a side that really feels awful about the the human impact. I mean, there's nothing worse, you know, for a, a kid than to see your mother cry. I mean, literally, it's the most painful thing, you know, just to see that, you know, and, and to feel and to feel bad about that. So cut to now and Ida, and it's that same thing. You know, I'm just, um, you know, I'm in the storm and I'm just, you know, following the double eyewall structure and it's and it's passing over Homa and I'm watching and I'm taking observations. And I'm like, just, you know, just completely captivated, you know, this is the adrenaline rush of it. You know, it's why I do this. You know, there's this like almost like a an addiction to it. And then the storm clears out and then you're just faced with the human misery. And, you know, Homa took it really hard. You know, it was uh, Homa took a direct hit the, uh, the by the uh, Western eye wall. So it got in the inner core of really intense wind and the destruction was terrible. And uh, I think that the part that stood out most to me was a conversation I had with a, a woman. I was uh, I was uh, 
I was on an industrial strip and, and she and her husband were in their shop. It was like a tire store or something like that. And all the windows had been blown out and the doors ripped off and the roof was gone. And they were, you know, they were just there trying to pick up the pieces. And I, and I, you know, I, I was just talking to her and she was a long time. She was one of those people who'd been in Homer her whole life. She's probably in her like sixties, but she, she, this woman was an almanac of the past hurricanes. She she remembered Betsy, which was one of the benchmark hurricanes of southeastern Louisiana. You know, she she'd been in all the great ones, and she just said, "Yeah, man, Ida was definitely for them. It was the worst." But just um, you know, just the the the. I just the look on her face, you know, it's all I could say, the sound of her voice, and then just just you know, just almost like a weariness, you know, it made me it made me really. It made me really sad. Then I thought, okay, this one conversation I'm having, this is, you know, multiply this times many thousands. And these are all the, the folks whose now lives are upside down from this thing. And it's hard to get your head around it, you know? And yeah. uh, it's just, you know, it's the other side of this. Yeah, the, the the misery is incredible. I mean, you look at you look at the uh, the aerial views of places like Grand Isle. Um, you can, you can, you know, one thing you can observe, and it's, I mean, I, it's hard to say this because, you know, this doesn't, this doesn't, um, uh, has no bearing on the actual misery that's still taking place, by the way. But you can see that certain structures made it well, that the higher the buildings, the better they did. And you can see which ones were, you know, had been rebuilt since since uh, you know, more stringent uh, codes were put into place and you can see which ones were too low. Because the truth is, if you're too low, the, the storm surge is going to wash you away. I mean, there's just the only way <laughs> to have a chance in that violent storm surge is to be high enough where the storm surge passes underneath you. Now, in this particular case, you not only had a devastating storm surge, but you had devastating wind. You know, when those two things go hand in, in hand, it, it makes it even more difficult. But um, you start to see these aerial views of these communities all through the bayou, bayou uh, parishes of Louisiana, all the way up to and past New Orleans. And, and you realize when the storm hit, that the brown water effect happened. You know, it was supposed to dissipate pretty rapidly, but it didn't. It stayed together as it went over the marsh, just like Katrina did when it went over the Everglades. And so when it got there in that area west of New Orleans, it was still, it was a Category 3 still doing incredible damage to places like Lafitte and Laplace, Louisiana, and places like that. But what an incredible story that is. But hey, listen, we've got Josh Morgan, uh, the hurricane man, iCyclone, top hurricane hunter and our chaser in the United States, maybe in the world. When we come back, we're going to talk about his new collaboration with Weather Nation. We'll see you after this break. You can also listen live to Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1 on your Amazon Alexa devices. Once you've enabled the skill, just say, Alexa, open Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast. Talking to the people that help make the coast such a unique place to live. This is Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. 
Welcome back to Coastview. You know, it's hurricane season, and it's just a coincidence, actually, that I have the top hurricane chaser in the world with me now today for a full hour. And tomorrow, I have Major Kendall Dunn, who is a pilot for Hurricane Hunters out of Keesler, who will be joining me as well. So uh, Josh has been in more than 50 eye walls. Uh, let's see. Uh, and our friend uh, Kendall Dunn, the, the pilot for tomorrow, has been in, he's flown through 70 eye walls in more than 25 storms. So it, interesting two days here on Coastview. Hey, coming back to you, Josh. So you've uh, you did Hurricane Man, which was literally literally a reality series. I mean, you had a camera crews around with you, filming everything that you did, and it became a really sort of international sensation and popular in places like Australia, of all darn places. Very interesting to see that. Um, but you recently signed on with Weather Nation. See, some of the some of the reality stuff that you might have been done might have done before has been kind of hit the pause button on that because of the pandemic. But they probably shouldn't have, I might add, because, you know, the reality is you've had pretty dynamic last couple of seasons working from the Gulf Coast. But you've, you've Weather Nation, let me, let me, for, you, for people who don't know Weather Nation, what we see is a lot of people moving to streaming now, a lot. I've moved, I've cut the cable and I've moved to streaming. And when, when you do that, in our case, we have YouTube TV. Now, there are other options out there, but we have YouTube TV. There aren't good, there aren't good weather alternatives on YouTube TV, so you need to be able to download an app that gives you the ability to, to have sort of like a weather channel experience, okay? The app that I downloaded is Weather Nation. And uh, I actually did this last year and followed them through the whole hurricane season last year. There's their relative startup. We'll talk more about them in just a second. But what was interesting is already the changes from last year to this year, really refining their approach, pretty slick. It feels a lot like the Weather Channel, but with its own personalities, its own approach. But it is a really viable alternative. It's incredibly good as it relates to following the hurricanes, like Ida, for example, as it was off our coast. You needed to be able to keep a channel up that could give you constant, constant feedback. You certainly can get that from local. But, you know, if you really want that, again, that kind of weather channel experience, weather channel is that alternative. So I'm a, I'm a fan of weather, uh, excuse me, weather nation. I'm a fan of weather nation. And, uh, and you know, Josh and I are friends. The next thing I find out is that he signed on with weather nation to do, uh, to do essentially hurricane reporting for them. So tell me more about that relationship, Josh. Yeah, I'm excited about it. And I was excited when I found out you were a fan. I didn't, we never talked about, you know, what, how you consume weather on TV. And it was cool to know that you're, yeah, that you watch the network I'm now working with. Uh, and I think you captured the spirit of Weather Nation really well, that it's, uh, it, it, it has, it's been around actually for a while, but it has kind of a startup feel. And I almost feel that that's by design. You know, it's a fairly, uh, it's a it's a fairly small company and and it's very dynamic uh, in terms of uh, how they work their processes. Since I started working with them, I noticed that they're very um, they're very open to doing things new ways or trying different things. They're sort of a just a cool dynamic fluid flexibility in how they do stuff. They're very into experimenting and trying new things. And that comes from the, the head guy there, Rob Sig. That's just, he sets the culture there and that's how it is. It's got it, yeah, like an innovative kind of dynamic feel. And that's fun for me. 
you know, doesn't, it's not like I worked with some TV networks where they're very like kind of rigid and they're like, I don't know, they're just, there's this hardcore kind of corporate feel and everything's set and, you know, it's a machine and, you know, you're, you're, you're not to touch it or suggest changes or anything. And that's not how they are. It's very collaborative fun. And I'm working with them. I'm on a, a season contract with them. So I'm, I'm their hurricane guy uh and they're my network for for the season meaning you know in a typical season i will i'll I'll do random appearances on on different networks you know from storm to storm this is different in the sense i'm just sort of exclusive to weather nation for the whole season which i personally like because i if i'm gonna do this sort of reporting thing i like to I like to get used to a team. I like to I like to have a group of people that I'm working with all season. We develop our relationship, our our, our processes, our, our our ways of collaborating, and we become it's sort of like a well-oiled machine. You know, with each storm, we get better, and everything works better. And so, I, so I like that a lot, and I like the team there. They're you know they're really cool, and I like their kind of their innovative approach to covering weather. And the one last thing I'll say is they they respect me for me. Uh, they know I'm not a reporter. I'm not. They're not telling me. Okay, we want. We want you to go to Tampa and and report there. I don't do that. I'm a chaser. They're they're they brought me on because they know I'm going to hunt down the eye or the core of the hurricane, whatever it is, whatever random place on the map, and I'm going to take them into it. So so I do my thing, and I and I just quite, kind of share that story through them, you know, wherever that is. So the team that's with you, let's say the team that was with you for Hurricane Ida, had they been in the eye of a storm before? Yeah, actually, so so I like to go really lean, as I think I've uh, mentioned a couple of times on this show. You know, my chase style, I've always been, some chasers like to kind of work in packs or in a team or a group. I'm the opposite. I've always been kind of a lone wolf. Hurricane's kind of a religious experience for me not to get too weird about it but i like to be able to hear it and see it without hearing a lot of people around me yapping <laughs> so so uh i and if you'll notice in my videos once the hurricane really starts to rip i don't talk a whole lot because i the sound of a hurricane is one of the most special parts of it i don't want to talk over it it's like talking over an opera singer you know just like hush let it speak so so i tend to chase alone um but but when i do when i am with someone else uh, i'm um uh, well i like it to be as small as possible so with weather nation i have one guy with me who is also an experienced storm chaser which is great because i have not only a a, a camera guy crew person but someone another weather mind who we can look at the radar together analyze it a little bit even though i trust my instincts you know i i think I'm pretty good at what I do. Sometimes in those neurotic moments of indecision, it's nice to have another, you know, trained eye uh, to look at that radar with me. Like with Ida, you know, especially with the important hurricanes, like Ida and Michael, when they're coming ashore, you're looking at each wobble and you start to imagine things because it's the consequences of your decisions are so great. And it's nice to have another person say, no, no, that's not a wobble. You're imagining that. So that's helpful. So, Josh, it's been, we're coming to our end of our time together, but it's been great to be able to, to dedicate a show to the latest as it relates to you. Thanks for being such a great representative from your house there in Bay St. Louis as you speak to the world about Mississippi. And, uh, you know, we'll pray for the people in Louisiana and hope that we don't get another direct hit here in coastal Mississippi. The season is far from over, that is for sure. And uh, we'll have to watch things closely as this thing, as this season unwinds. But be careful, my friend. Don't get yourself, you know, in a, in a pickle <laughs> as, you, uh, as you pursue your, your gift. And uh, we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Ricky. It's always, always awesome to come on Coast View. Thank you. You bet. We'll see you tomorrow. Have a great day. 
Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1 on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Super Talk MS Coast 103.1. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.